You're listening to The Lively Show, episode number two. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the second episode of The Lively Show. Thank you guys so much for all of your awesome support last week. I was feeling so grateful about the positive reaction you guys gave to the podcast. It's really awesome, and I'm so excited to have a new episode for you today. I also want to let you know that we're now on iTunes. So if you want to have this recording sent directly to your iTunes or, or to your iPhone in the future, you're welcome to sign up for that now. We actually now have a link on justlively.com so that you can sign up for that and have it sent directly to your phones. You don't have to go anywhere to get those podcasts wherever you might be. I hear that a lot of people are listening to the podcast on their commutes, on the train, in their cars, while they're doing laundry, while they're getting ready for brunch even. So I hope you find a way to incorporate these weekly podcasts into your routine going forward. Today we are talking with Jess Mernan. She's a Chicago-based blogger with a site called OnePartPlant.com, and she also helps people around the country, of really the world. She's an online-based consultant really helping people eat a plant-based diet. Now, this episode is not about saying that everyone needs to be plant-based by any means. That's not the intention for the show, but I find her story so compelling. I have been so honored to become her friend over the last about six months or so, and to get to know like her personal story with her health and how a plant-based diet has impacted her so positively, I think is really worth sharing. And for anyone, regardless of what your eating disposition might be, I think that this episode has a lot of useful facts and is a great story to listen to. In the episode, we cover how Jess's health was affected by her endometriosis and how her plant-based diet helped to avoid a hysterectomy, which is a pretty insane story, which we're going to start off with. And then we're also going to talk about the emotional toll and reaction that she received to making this positive shift um, with her friends and family and how making a positive shift like this can be difficult in relationships with those around you. We're also going to discuss why Jess doesn't ascribe to the word vegan. She uses the word plant-based and she'll say why. And then we also talk about the resistance to the change that she felt and what she had to overcome personally in order to make this shift a permanent one in her own life. And we also ask you, answer the reader questions. Some of them include how to get enough protein, which I'm sure a lot of people are wondering if they're considering a plant-based diet. We're also going to talk about how to handle eating a specific selective eating program in a group setting. She's going to talk about what she would tell someone just starting out who wants to perhaps make a plant-based diet shift or if they want to make any shift in their eating habits in general. And she's also going to discuss what to do if you have an overzealous friend. So maybe you're not plant-based, but you know someone who is or has, who is so excited about their eating, but kind of push it on you. We're going to talk about what to do if you're in that situation as well. So let's go to the show. Welcome. Today, we're talking with Jess Mernan of One Part Plant and SuitorLife.com. Jess lives in Chicago and is a friend of mine who also happens to have a stationary line and has a movement spreading from Chicago out across the nation to help bring about awareness and education to eating a plant-based diet. Thanks, Jess, for being here. Hi, how are you? Good, good. I want to get into this topic because I feel so passionate about this and really want to share your story. So let's talk a little bit about how you got into this plant-based diet and how one part plant kind of came to be in your own life personally. Well, I 
have something called endometriosis, which yeah, what, for the rest of us that don't understand, I mean, that, if we want to get if we want to get graphic, it's pretty <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> um, it's when the lining of your uterus actually grow can grow onto other parts of your body, and then also like it's not shedding all the way, which forms cysts and just if you can imagine the worst period in the world times 50 it's you know yeah. like that so i used to black out sometimes and just oh my gosh. you know the first two days i knew that like i wasn't going to go anywhere like i'd have to not go into work it was just really bad and it's also not something that you can tell your boss like oh i have a really bad period i can't come in cuz they're not going to believe yeah. you <laughs> yeah so um so you had that all of your life? Yeah. With endometriosis, it kind of gets worse as you get older. Mm-hmm. So I had, um, but the other thing is, is that you can't diagnose it unless really? you actually go in through the belly button with oh a lapros- laparoscopy. So, you know, it's just something that I went to multiple doctors my whole life and it's like, I have a lot of pain and no one ever diagnosed me with that. So I just thought that like, it's just something I had to deal with. So you were dealing with it all throughout your life did it when did it hit a so it hit a point where I actually um one of the cysts that I had that was it's they're called chocolate cysts which is kind of gross too because it's full of blood (laughs) oh Um, oh. (laughs) but anyway one of them burst and I was in so much pain and I literally could not get up off the ground so I had to go to the emergency room and I was there and after being there for four hours, the pain started to go away. So I went to the doctor the next day because no one at the emergency room, they thought it maybe was appendicitis. Like they yeah. didn't know. And so how long ago was this? That was probably, I would say like six or seven years ago. So that happened. And then it was cool because the next doctor that I went to was a brand new doctor. She, for some reason, she just believed me. Like she believed that I was in this much pain. So she said, why don't we try a laparoscopy and maybe this is what you have. So she did that. And when she went in, she saw all of the like huge cysts and things. And they actually had to give me an emergency C-section. So I didn't even know you could do that for anyone that wasn't having a baby. Yeah. And it's probably not called a C-section, but I woke up in the maternity ward and all the, (laughs) you think you had a baby, all the nurses did. And they're like, you look so good. You can totally (laughs) wear a swimsuit. I was like, I did not have a baby. I had cysts. So, um, so yeah, so then after that, I had that surgery again, multiple Mm -hmm. surgeries, and then it just got to the point where the pain just kept on getting worse and like the surgeries weren't working. And so my doctor said, I can't give you another one of these surgeries. We need to give you a hysterectomy. How many surgeries had you had by that point? I had had three different, not as invasive as the first one. That was just like, the other ones were kind of like a look around kind of thing. Okay. But yeah, it was like. I actually was kind of okay with getting the hysterectomy. And then, you know, the other option was to go on crazy drugs that may or may not work. And the side effects were like depression and hair loss. And it's like, I I mean, I already feel like really depressed. (laughs) So yeah, so I went ahead and decided that I was going to get the hysterectomy. And I kind of felt okay with it just because I wanted to have my life back. How did that impact your decision with children? I don't know. It's weird. Ever since I was a little girl... And I don't know if my body was just talking to me and it knew something, but I've always wanted to adopt. But it really made me think about how fortunate I was that I didn't care about that because I can't imagine the additional set of emotional 
anxiety and pain that you would feel going into this surgery knowing that it meant you can't have kids. That's just like surgeries are already scary. So I was going to get the hysterectomy and then a friend of mine sent me who is kind of obsessed with me having kids. Uh (laughs) I think that was like her motivation of kind of sending me this website. But it was a website about endometriosis and it was about how plant-based food could eliminate the pain. And to me, I thought it was just a bunch of crap. Like there's no way that that was going to work. Yeah, what did you try up to that point? I mean, I had tried doing different types of yoga, which I definitely think yoga does help, but I think you need the food component. I was on pain medications. I did surgeries. I kind of did all the things maybe at least that my doctors told me that would work. And, you know, and this website, it looked like it was from 1987 and like it looked very old and outdated. Not something that I was like, wow, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And at that point, when you were finding this website, how were you eating up to that point? I mean, cheese, sugar. I used to eat a bag of candy a day. And that's just like what I did because I love candy. Uh And I think when you feel so crappy all the time, you're like, well, I'm going to eat this bag of candy because at least this bag of candy makes me feel good. And you don't. Your I didn't I never connected the fact that by treating myself to a hot fudge sundae, which has both a crap load of sugar and dairy, it was making everything worse. I wouldn't have connected that. I yeah. didn't connect so that. So you were completely, you know, unconvinced that this was actually gonna work for you, but you get yeah. this website, you take a look at it, you're unimpressed by even the way it's branded, because that's what you do for a living. Yeah. So of course you're like, well it's not branded well enough. I'm right. not it can't be legit. Right. Totally. <laughs> but what made you go from there and act on it? I think I just was desperate, maybe. Yeah. And and it's interesting because the day after she sent me that website, I went to see another doctor to get I think a second or third opinion about getting the hysterectomy because I was like, this is, I trusted my doctor, but I was like, I kind of just want one more opinion. And it was in there and he didn't suggest changing my diet, but he suggested getting acupuncture and trying some, a little bit more unconventional things that no one had ever told me before. And I was like, if he's telling me about acupuncture, what if this food thing could be another piece of the puzzle that maybe he doesn't know about, but maybe is true. I think by him telling me acupuncture, it sort of triggered the fact that food seemed a little bit of an alternative thing too. So I remember I walked out of there and I was like, I'm doing this. My last meal is going to be, I don't know why, it's depressing that I chose (laughs) my last meal as a salad, but there is this salad that I loved that was bacon and blue cheese and it came with this giant piece of garlic bready breadstick and I made that my last like meal before I started so not a not a hot fudge sundae not the candy no, none and of that the, wow I've gotta say I do cheesecake <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and I think that um I don't know but I also think in the back of my head I had no idea what was gonna happen so I thought I don't know maybe I'll still end up getting the hysterectomy yeah. anyway yeah but it's interesting because, you know, the first, so I, when I first started, I went gluten, dairy, and sugar-free. Okay. No, so I'm we, sorry, not sugar-free. Gluten, dairy, and soy-free. That's right after looking at the website. Is that what it prescribed? Right. So after looking at the website, it was taking out meat, dairy, and soy. And I think I should find this website again. It probably said some stuff about sugar, uh-huh. but I wasn't really ready for that. And I think that what I did was that first year... 
I still like once a month or something, I would still have cheese and I definitely had not cut out sugar yet. Because okay. I'm like, oh, there's a gluten-free vegan muffin. I can totally have that. Not thinking about the fact that it was just full of other crap. And did, did the website, sorry to go back yeah, to yeah, that, please. but did it have testimonials or how, what no. really convinced you about it? Just the website said, eat this. You seriously have hit bottom and yeah. it's starting to affect not only your relationships, not as much with my, I mean, actually with my husband too, because like he's the kindest person in the world, but who wants to hang around with someone that's like crying and laying in bed all day, whether or not like he didn't treat me different. We didn't have as much fun together anymore. Yeah. Like I was always sick and This sad. is all before the plant-based. Yeah, this, yeah. And so I think, and I'm so into work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I love work and the fact that this thing was interfering with my work, that was like... So these are all the motivating factors. Even yeah. if there's not like this astounding evidence on this website or anything. Yeah. You just were like, anything I can do to change. Yeah. And it was really weird. And it's... I didn't even look any further than that website. Like, I didn't even Google wow. other things. That's I was, fascinating. I, I think I would have, just to make sure I yeah. really did to give up the cheesecake. Exactly. Like, I don't know what it was, but I think sometimes... I guess weird things come into your life. I guess I had never even thought about this and the site looks so weird. So I was like, there's probably nothing else maybe out there about yeah. this anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. So going into the switch, you made the soy, meat. I cut out soy, dairy, and meat. At first. At first. How long were you giving this a shot? I, I told myself I would try it for, it was the summer. I okay. was like, I'll try it for the summer. And then the weekend after I started it, my friend had a birthday party. Oh my God. And so I was at the birthday party and the birthday cake came out. And I literally, I'm not, this is like not exaggerating. Yeah. I literally had to walk outside and I started crying outside because I felt like not only was I was kind of mourning, okay, I can't eat that yeah. cake, but I was mourning almost like this, this ritual or like this nostalgic tradition yeah. of birthday cakes. And it's like, that part of my life is over. Yeah, like celebrating birthdays is somehow not. It's connected with food. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like Absolutely. I connected everything with food, and it's interesting because in that moment, I just thought this sucks. I hate this, and I never thought there was a possibility that I could be to where I am today. Now, if I'm at a birthday party, I don't actually care about the cake, which. I never thought was possible, but yeah. like that day, it actually triggered me to go outside and cry. So obviously there was a lot of emotional toll just on those three things. Not that they're, you know, those substantial choices that you're making. Yeah. Yeah. What was the emotional toll in those first few weeks? And did you feel immediately better? Like how quickly, you know, I mean, I happened? did feel really better pretty fast. <laughs> really? How, how fast? Um, I think it was just like a couple weeks. And really? I mean, I think that that's the reason why I kept doing it too. Okay. Like, I mean, I think that if I, if someone would have said, this will take six months to make you feel better, I might've not done it, but I also had no idea how long it was going to take because okay. I didn't have any other information. You just got a janky website that's yeah. eat vegetables. <laughs> and like I had tried, I mean, I had been on Weight Watchers. Like uh-huh. I had tried tons of, and it's really interesting because a year before that I had tried a gluten-free diet just because I was working with a trainer I was not able to like, we, she was just knowing, she was like, you're not losing any, you yeah. know what I mean? Like she was like, what if you tried cutting out glue? 
And I tried it and I, I literally couldn't do it. I don't know. There was just, there was something about the fact that it, it just wasn't the right time or something. Okay. So you eliminated those things. And then, then what happened after that? Well, my pain went away. I didn't The endometriosis went away? Well, no, I'll always have endometriosis, but I've got it in check now. So proud to say like right now I'm on the P rod. I started it (laughs) this morning Uh and like I'm sitting here and like- Yeah, you're not having to take a day off. Yeah, and like I maybe have a little bit more bags because like- Oh, under your eyes. Yeah, because like I don't feel like the most awesome, but the fact that like I'm sitting here with you like- today is just like I feel so proud that's awesome okay so you kept mentioning before I want to go back you mentioned that the sugar thing wasn't an immediate shift but somehow that comes into play later what happened yeah I think that when you try anything it's just kind of trying to figure out like what works for you and cutting out everything at once maybe is hard for people I mean it's a true shock to your body because we're definitely addicted to those things too so I eliminated the gluten dairy and soy and I I mean we all know sugar is not good for it, but it was sort of like, I'm still going to eat this. Every now and then I would still maybe do a little dairy. And I'm talking like once a month. It was yeah. kind of like, I'm in France. I'm having French onion. But then I, um, last summer, I woke up and I had been doing design for the last 10 years. And I worked a lot with brides. And I had had like a, a nightmare client, which... I love all my past brides, but a lot of them were, they're, they're just going through like an emotional time. <laughs> um, and I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot work in paper goods like this anymore. I have to make a change with my life. So I decided to, and this is like, this is weird. This is like you saying like, I want to become a police officer tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's not like. Maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it was very off my skill set. But I looked online. I was like, I have to change my life. So I was like, maybe I'll join the Peace Corps. I was just trying to figure out what I would do. And then I was like, you know what? The thing I care most about is how food, I believe, saved my life. So what if I could help other people do the same? So I researched online and I found that there was this plant-based nutrition course through Cornell. Okay. Online. And I took that. And as I was taking that class learning about all the things I was learning, it just led me to the point where I was like, I'm done with sugar and I'm done with dairy. Okay. So that's what led to other things. So yeah. you had still been doing dairy intermittently. Sugar and I would say continuous. dairy, like, I mean, it was, it was a choice to know that I would feel like crap after. So I might do it once a month if I was on vacation. Okay, but no longer now. N- no, I've completely, completely no dairy now for over a year. Like a year and a half. Wow. And I'll have to say, like, I haven't even had, like, a touch of it. And I feel so incredible. What did um, your doctor say? I just still have to go back quickly to, like, to the, the chapter that closed before. What did your doctor say? with the sur- Obviously, you didn't have the surgery. Mm-hmm. It's kind of assumed, I think, at this point. But what did they say to, to like, this change in you? Did they well, just... she... I mean, the one thing about my doctor, too, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not prescribing this to people, but I... I have also stopped taking birth control uh-huh. because um, I really feel like that was kind of causing a lot of my depression too. And I mean, I had tried like four or five different birth controls. And if you have endometriosis, they always want you to be on birth control because it helps manage the pain and it also helps manage the growth of the cyst. So up until four months ago, even after I switched doctors, she would still 
have someone call me to tell me that I need to get back on birth control. Really? Because she just felt like it was that important. And not being on birth control, I feel like the best I've ever felt in my life. And I just had to find a doctor that was okay with that. And that's a a personal choice for everyone. I personally have polycystic ovaries, so not endometriosis, but for me, that's a really positive thing for me. So it's really a choice everyone needs to make for themselves. Yeah. And I think that if you were to ask everyone with endometriosis, everyone's going to say, you need to be on the birth control pill. And I think for me, if I can manage my pain with food and not medicine, I would prefer to do that. Yeah. So they canceled that and they were just like, all right, well, you don't have the problems anymore. Who knows? They might believe me or not believe me, but I've since found a doctor and I don't even know if I'm totally down with her yet either, but because you, you don't want to find a doctor that's completely over the top, like, well, let me just give you some lizard tails. In, <laughs> you know what you I don't want to get something too out there. Too either. out there. Yeah. You want someone that is still going to like be able to like reel you in and say, look, girlfriend, like you need to have surgery, you know, but it's finding that happy medium. Okay. So now moving forward into, you're not becoming a police officer, but you're <laughs> dabbling in food and you cut the sugar. How has it been with friends and how did they react to your decision? I actually, and I do these coaching things with people called mini plant and master plant. And actually in those courses, there's this page that we work on called shine blockers. Because I think that when you change your diet, there's going to be some people that are trying to block your shine a little bit. And it's not even in a way maybe that they mean to, it's just maybe they don't understand your diet. And I think any time that you start to excel or you start to maybe feel better and look better and you've been able to find this like magic thing that everyone else is looking for sometimes people don't necessarily respond to it that well Mm -hmm. when I changed my diet I think that there were some people I usually break them into two camps there were people that were sort of like what are you doing but were like okay whatever if it works for you that's cool and then there were people that were really questioning it But I think they were questioning it from a point of either jealousy or them having their own issues in their life. And I had to work hard to decide, like, do I want to include those people or do I just want to cut them out? What? Why are they acting that way? Because it's like, why would you act that way? It's weird when you get pushback from people when it's like, I'm trying to take care of me. Like, why do you care that I'm not eating cheese? Why is it so important to them? <laughs> it's almost easier if they would be more accepting if I cheated on my husband than like <laughs> than not eating, eating cheese. Because you know? it's more important to them it's that more, cheese it's, is okay. It's important yeah. to them. And I think it is a sense of like community. And like, if you're sitting at a table and you're the one that's not eating pizza, they don't like that feeling. Yeah. It's like, it has nothing to do with you. No, so, it's literally what's helping you in your body in a very real and tangible way more than I think a lot of us can say that we've had that dramatic of a transformation that's you know amazing and to not want that would be hard would be hard as a friend yeah to say that that's and I think what's interesting is is through this I mean I just like to share I'm a sharer anyway I would say that I don't have anybody now that's a jerk about it what I tried to do was is incorporate it into their lives just the way we used to like I used to every time my friend and I used to go to another city we would find gummies gummy bears Uh or like some sort of gummy in that city and that would be our souvenir for each other and so the first time when I went to when I changed my diet was like 
You can't have the gummies. I'm not going to get these gummies anymore. Yeah. It was kind of sad. But what happened was, it's interesting, is now that friend shares plant-based cookies with me now. She like she actually got kind of excited about my diet and she started becoming like a really good chef who makes these awesome plant-based meals. Is it because of you? Well, I mean, I don't yes, it is. Because really? she That's just amazing. was like I want to have something that we can share now. Oh, wow. And I think that's the thing. All the people in my life have now either seen what's happened to me yeah. and said I want a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, I want to feel that good and been able to embrace it. And the people that saw me and said, oh, well, what is she doing? It's like, I don't really need those people anyway. It's yeah, shaking I definitely think. The- but I mean, you're going to get pushback at first from some people. Yeah. And then you just kind of have to ask, why are they pushing back? Okay, so how did, so we've talked a little bit now about the, the sessions you have with mini plant and master plant. Let's talk about how did one part plant come into being? Is this part of the Cornell study program that you did and then that police officer should yeah. for yourself? When right before I even started the the plant-based nutrition thing, I knew that I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted to do something because I have like a marketing head and yeah. design head. And I was like, I know I want to do something. And I know that there's there's a lot of people that have wellness websites. And there's a lot of people that have recipes on the site. But I think that that can be sometimes intimidating to people when they first change their diet. And people aren't intimidated by restaurants. People love to eat. I love to eat. Yeah. I love to go out. And I really wanted to go to all the cool places. Like, I still wanted to go there. So... I have some restaurant connections just from like design stuff I've done. So I went to a couple of those, the guys that I know at different restaurants. I said, what would you think about adding one to two plant-based options on their, on your menu? I want to start this website called one part plant. It would have your logo on the website. I planned this like huge presentation and I literally said, like, the first sentence. They're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm like, <laughs> so you didn't even need the rest of the what? presentation? <laughs> I'm like, I've been, like, so nervous all day. And, like, you just said yes after, like, <laughs> one. But, yeah. So, yeah, Trencherman was actually the first restaurant oh, that came on. It's and, in a Bucktown for everyone in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, an awesome, beautiful restaurant. And then people just kept on saying yes. Really? So no pushback on these? I no. mean, these fancy restaurants love their game and their really obscure meat. Yeah. And, I mean, that's pork and yeah. you know every everything pig related is yeah. huge but i think they they came on board for two reasons one i didn't come at them in a way that was like vegan like yeah. veganism like you know i was just like i always say that i'm spreading the good word on good food it's just about people being able to eat a little cleaner it's not political it's not about like animal rights yeah it's about you know just eating better food and i think from their perspective, they like the way that I presented it, but they also are seeing in their own restaurants that 50% of the night, somebody is subbing something on the menu. So why not have some options that like don't require substitutions? It's yeah. easier for them too. There's just, if, if a plant-based vegan, vegetarian, whoever comes into their restaurant, there's something on the menu they can eat without having to have it adapted. Yes, thank you for doing that for me because now that I'm now a vegetarian or kind of pescatarian, it's a lot easier to go to the restaurants that you've already worked with and find something rather than, like you said, have to shift something around because before, you know, it was how weird and obscure could this meat possibly be? Now it's like, how can I just enjoy what I'm eating there that already feels like a complete meal without having Yeah, 
necessitate and I, and avocado I, for a meat or something. Right. And I think the other thing too is, is like, I personally don't like asking for substitutions. There's some people that feel very confident to go into a steak place and say, I would like this. And like, that's just not me because yeah. I, I guess I respect the art of the chefs and I'm like, they designed this dish this yeah. way for a reason. And I also don't like to make a big stink or be the center of attention or take away from the rest of the group yes. by, you know, the waitress and I having to have a 10 minute conversation about my dietary restrictions. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Okay. So one part plant came out of these restaurant tours and getting these meals on their menus. What else is involved now? So when I launched it, the restaurant component was first the most important to me because I want also these chefs to sort of give me like some street cred and legitimacy that this isn't just like weird. They're on board too. And then as I started doing it, I thought I want to also start helping people too. Just working on with working with them one-on-one because when I changed my diet, I would say it was kind of a struggle only because I didn't know what to do or yeah, where to it's go. Yeah, isolating because yeah. none of your other friends and family yeah. were eating that way. Nobody I knew ate that way, and it was, it was something like I don't know what nutritional yeast is. When I, you know, when I would look in a recipe yeah. and I would say nutritional yeast, it's like what is that? Yeah, like, that sounds complicated, <laughs> and I would just turn the page. <laughs> right. I cook that much anyway, exactly. I would turn the page. You would just turn the page because you don't recognize it, and it's funny because I was working with, I'm working with a girl right now, and we just had a call last week and she was telling me about how she's using nutritional yeast on everything and we both kind of stopped and she was like I'm using nutritional yeast and I'm like I know like, Wait, what is it let's go quickly I now need to know it's kind of it's like a it's like a brewer's yeast okay and it actually a lot of people that eat this way it's kind of like a nice rich parmigiani cheesy substitute so really a lot of people will They'll use that and they'll mix it with some um, cashews to make macaroni and cheese, which I know oh, you love. Oh, I eat it every day. Well, I'm trying. I'm not eating it every day now. I've, I've but you could. But I need have, some. I need a substitute. Yeah. So I mean. So yeah. So there's there was ingredients like that that I would see, like you said, you just turn the page. You're like, I'm not. I don't know what this is. I just this is weird. So I really wanted to work with people in a way that a make this fun. A, make this approachable, and like most importantly, make it not judgy. Because the, the same woman that I'm working with, she said that she's tried 10 other things. And one of the things she tried came with, and you'll appreciate this because you experienced this, it came with a list of all the things she couldn't eat. Oh. And it literally made her not want to do it. And so my approach is like, these are all the things that you can't eat plus all of these awesome things that you've never even heard before, as opposed to like, here's a list of all things you can't do. Because obviously when you see that, you want to do those things. And then it makes you feel mad that you can't. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the blog. Well, with the website, it's been interesting because I never ever cooked before, ever. Like my husband used to make every meal. And if he wasn't at home, I just ordered in. So that's been an interesting thing to come up with recipes. Aside from the recipes, and I also want to point out with the recipes, I never use the word vegan on any of them. Yeah, why is that? I just, I just kind of feel like I want to just present good food. Okay, and if it, if it looks vegan. good to you, like you should eat it. Like uh-huh. it doesn't have to. I just think we get so wrapped up in these titles, and then 
if someone says they're vegan and then you see them eating cheese, you're like, oh, well, I thought they said they were vegan. Who cares? Yeah. No, I <laughs> like, love I that. Like, I mean, just eat yeah. good food that makes you feel good. Don't restrict yourself to this like, weird box, you yeah. know? So yeah, on this site, it's just good food. All of them are vegan. And yeah. I 99% of them are gluten-free too. And then in addition to that, I do a series called Babes in Plantland where I feature sort of hot plant land person uh-huh. um, that I feel like is either making a difference or has supported me in my transition. Again, just to show there's all these people that eat like this. They just might not talk about it. And I think that's the other thing is like people get really turned off sometimes by people's diets, especially I think sometimes with veganism and vegetarian, because as soon as they walk in the room, you know that's how they eat, but you don't have to know. I kind of like presenting these people that are eating this way too, but you might just not know it. And so, yeah, so I, I try to feature just some inspiring people in my and life. And For Reals Meals. For Reals Meals is a dinner or lunch series that I started where I choose a host that doesn't cook plant-based. Mm-hmm. And then they have to invite five or six people that they would like to get to know that they don't know already. And they cook a plant-based meal for them, which... It's funny because every person that's hosted it so far, like that's not been at a restaurant, feels a little bit, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then they're kind of sometimes not even that into it. And then at the end, they feel so proud and they're like, I think I'm going to start doing this more. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think sometimes you just have to try it. I'm sure you have to be very aware with this type of decision also to make sure you get a variety of your plant-based yeah, yeah. B12 because B12 is something that you can get it all here we go with nutritional yeast again you can get it a little bit from nutritional yeast but B12 is the only thing that you can't get from plants and I'm not a big supplements person at all but B12 and D just because especially if you do live in Chicago there's no possible way you can get enough sun so B12 and D are the only things that I take the important thing to think about too with the plant-based diet is is it's it's just about whole foods so you just want to think about foods in, in their wholest form. So if you're buying, let's say, brown rice noodles, the ingredients on the back are brown rice. That's it. I think the most important thing about this is looking at labels. You know, I've shared this with you. It's like you go to the grocery store and out of 20 jars of spaghetti sauce, there's only one that doesn't add soybean oil and sugar. Yeah. Like that's unnecessary. Like if you can afford it and it's it's in your budget, like buy the one that doesn't have sugar. So for anyone that's considering this, what kind of doubts or resistance do you think they're going to be facing internally with something like this? I think that like, as much as it's hard, you go through withdrawal. I was a very, like not a very nice person the first couple of weeks because I'm, you're going through withdrawal. Aside from like the withdrawal and just sort of like the, what am I supposed to do kind of feelings about what to eat, which I just highly recommend just getting a million cookbooks and like going online looking at recipes but aside from that I definitely think you go through this internal struggle with social stuff and I think that I really had to almost it makes me sad but happy you know I almost had to mourn the old me a little bit and say okay so I'm not the girl that you call to go on pizza benders yeah and like I'm not the girl now that is, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. When I feel sad, I don't now go get a tub of Ben and Jerry's. I had to like almost mourn some of these traditions or like these things I did to accept 
that that's not me anymore. Yeah, well, those are coping mechanisms, really, to yeah, deal with other resistances in your life. Yeah. And you no longer had those. So what do you do now, just out of curiosity, when you have those sad days? Well, it's weird. Now I don't really get sad, which I used to be sad all the time. Um, and I think that's the other thing that people don't talk about it as much. I think people are like, your skin looks so good. Your hair looks so well, good. It it's like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> I, I just meant the collective you as when people... Well, it does for everyone. I know this is a podcast, but Jess has great skin and hair. But I think that not a lot of people talk about the fact that it can help with depression big time. And I mean, I used to be very depressed. I'm not anymore, which is also a weird thing. I used to identify yeah, myself part as of your kind identity. of... Yeah, and I think, you know, those are other things. I used to identify myself as like kind of like a chubby person. Yeah. And if you aren't that person anymore, then who are you? Which is kind of scary to think about. I don't have that thing to hang on to anymore. Yeah, even positively or negatively, we can identify with anything. If it becomes a part of our story, it's no longer, it's a part of your story that happened. It's no longer actively happening. Why don't we take this time to move on to reader questions? Okay. These are the questions that people have asked me to ask you. So mm-hmm. the first question that I think you get in general, but also happened to be the first question we got in the reader questions was from Lainey. And she asked, I'm curious, how do you get enough protein? Okay. Well, definitely. I always say no one cares about how much protein you get until you say that you're not eating meat. That's true. I've never had that question before. <laughs> I turned vegetarian. No one cared about my protein intake. No, no one cares at all. I think that, you know, the cool thing is and I mean, I'm not making anybody, any paleo or like, I know everybody believes yeah. in something different, but the bottom line is, is a good sort of range to think about is the minimum amount a 10% of your calories come from protein yeah. and the maximum amount of like 20%, which if you think about, if you eat a steak for dinner, chicken for lunch and a sausage for breakfast, you're going way over your amount of protein. But I think the cool thing is, is that you can get protein from tons of plant-based options. Everything from beans to tahini to vegetables, protein and greens, yeah. which I never really thought of that being true. So, and I think too- And it's the, substantial enough for you to live off of. Uh, yeah, and I mean, if you're, if you're eating a well-rounded diet, yes. Yeah. And I think the cool thing is, is I always like to think, let's put a steak next to a vegetable. Like, it's always gonna be a better source of protein because it doesn't come with potential hormones. It doesn't come with fat and cholesterol. Yeah. It just is a plant. And I think too, the one last thing I want to say about the protein thing is that we think of it as we need it for strength or we need it for, but gorillas eat a completely plant. They, they eat plants. Oh, so as far as muscle gain, it's, it's yeah. just as far as like strength, endurance. And like, I mean, there are some of the strongest animals in nature don't eat meat that's like they're doing just fine yeah no and i understand so coming i will also say i know there'll be a variety of people listening to this some that will love this idea and some that will not and that's totally fine everyone you know is figuring out what's best for them but you know there are other other research out there that would promote meat eating so it's you know it's everyone's decision and but i but uh, i think that like i don't think that your decision to eat plant-based or not plant-based is that you can't get enough protein because you can. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So Lindsay asks, how do you handle eating with a group and eating at a friend's house? I don't want to ruin the experience for others, but want to stick to my plant-based diet. So you have a question or yeah. an answer I mean, again, like that's that whole social thing, which yeah. is so huge. And I think 
just like I think there's some friends in your life that maybe have not been the best friends in the past, you kind of like talk to them on the side and you're like, this is this is how I feel. I mean, I think this is something else that you can just say to them. Yeah, just have a conversation and let them know if you're getting that negative feedback. Yeah, or just, and and also like in terms of group outings, I don't know. I always kind of jump in first and say, hey, what if we ate here? Knowing that there's going to be options. And I never suggest going to a vegan or vegetarian restaurant. I suggest something that's mainstream that everyone can find something out. So I like to kind of choose I like jump in and choose. And then second, in terms of eating at dinner parties, for instance, I just had a dinner party that I went to last weekend and everyone, I emailed the host and I said, hey, and I didn't say I have a special diet. I just said, would you mind if I brought a dessert and dish that I'm really into right now? And she was like, oh my God, that would be awesome. Most hosts are not going to say, no, you can't bring something. Yeah. So you just bring something. That you can eat. That you can eat. And then it turned out, not sprag, but like my dessert was the favorite dessert of yeah. all the desserts there. And nobody knew yeah. that it was plant-based. Oh, I love that. Here's a question. Actually, I've had this on the flip side, and this is not from the questions in the that we received, but um, I've actually had this proposed to me for the blog. Um, what would you say to people that have a friend that's going through something like this and maybe mm-hmm. is all about like kind of shoving it down their throats and kind of making this big to do about yeah. it? If you're on the other side of that, if you're the friend of the friend that's making these decisions, but they're making it very obvious and very kind of in your face. How would you suggest people handle that? I mean, it's hard. I mean, I kind of, I guess I kind of that equate that to like a friend of yours that just had a baby and all they talk about <laughs> is their baby. Yeah. It's like, you can't say, please stop talking about yeah. your baby. But you, I think you also kind of know that it's making them happy and they'll also probably stop talking about it as much. So in, in terms of like, it, them shoving it down your throats. I just like, I don't know what you, I mean, I think you just kind of have to wait it out a little bit okay. sometimes. Do you think just ride out the enthusiasm? I think, I think ride it out and yeah. maybe join them. Be like, oh, hey, if you're so into it, could you make me some cookies? It's yeah. like, get something out of it. If they're that <laughs> excited about it, have them host a dinner and like share it with yeah. you. And maybe to the same side, so the opposite, what you had said before is if there's someone that's really giving you grief about it, you can have a private conversation with them about how it's affecting you. And maybe on the other side, if someone's kind of preaching their gospel to you about their eating decisions and they really want you to do the same, but you're choosing not to for whatever reasons you have, maybe you also have the same ability to pull them aside yeah. and let them know you support their decision, but you feel differently about your choices for yourself. And I think maybe it's just telling them, I'm not ready. You're in a place where you want to do this. And I wasn't when I met you. I was like, that's nice. I'm glad. And I love your story. I find it fascinating to hear that. You know, it's not everyone's decision and it's not, you know, going to make anyone not, it's not necessarily going to make everyone feel as dramatically better or save them from getting a hysterectomy. Right. But that's the power that it can have for different people and we need to accept. Yeah. But I think it's maybe just telling your friend, like, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. You may not ever do it, but at least it tells them that you're open to it. Okay. So let's move on. This question comes from Brittany. Any suggestions for those of us who live in climates with cold and snowy winters, which is pretty much where we're Mm -hmm. at as this podcast is getting launched, where fresh produce isn't, um, isn't the same. I know frozen veggies are great, but they always turn out kind of mushy and not so appetizing. Unfortunately, sometimes you just have to go with the season, Okay. which I was never into. Like, I'm not a huge root vegetable person. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that root vegetables in the winter? Yeah, like, but I will say the other day I was like, I'm going to embrace these root vegetables. And I made the most delicious 
thing with the root vegetable. It was like, oh my gosh. Because I definitely gravitate to sort of the same produce when it is the summer, I do cartwheels. But I think it's just kind of trying new ones that maybe A, you didn't think that you liked growing up, or oh, B. Oh, Brussels sprouts, I hated them, but I'm getting okay. If he if Mr. Lively fries them like a, you know, burns them to a crisp like a kale chip, yeah. they taste like kale chips. I don't mind them. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, and, and I do think it's knowing which stuff to buy frozen and which stuff to not. Like, I would never buy greens frozen. Okay. But... I'll definitely buy strawberries frozen. Really? I put I get the frozen kale and put them in smoothies. Yeah, I think okay. for smoothies, sure. But I think if you're trying, trying to, to like it. eat it like steep, it's like it's gonna taste like she's right. It's like yeah. it's gonna take kind of soggy. So I think my tips are just embrace the season. And you know what? If you really freaking want like a ki- a kiwi, I mean it's never gonna be in season here because yeah. those are shipped in. But if you really want something, get it. Okay, that's awesome. And our last question comes from Megan. As a lover of all things dairy, who is also allergic to tree nuts and soy, I wonder what suggestions you have for making the switch to a more plant-based diet without relying on the nut and soy substitutions. This is a toughie, Um, but I think we can figure it out. So I actually just got this new book, Isa Does It. She's from Post Punk Kitchen. She has a whole bunch of cookbooks. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay. And she actually has a friend that can't do nuts Um, So she made her a macaroni and cheese using sunflower seeds. What? Where she she soaked sunflower seeds and then she mixed it with nutritional yeast. And the photo of the macaroni and cheese is just ridiculous. I'm I'm actually excited to make it. It looks ridiculous. So I think that, I think in terms of the nut thing... That I think you kind of just need to maybe like turn to some seeds. Okay. Um, you could also do rice milk, which I think is a is a great one. Oh well, thank you so much, um, Jess. I want to la- end with one last question. What would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey, whether they have endometriosis and they're kind of on that journey, or if they're just trying to make a shift for other health or you know personal reasons to the plant based diet? What would you say? I think I just would say, which is probably advice for everything is just to be nice to yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think that I definitely beat myself up at first about being perfect because again, I put myself into that box of, I can't do this, I can do that. I think it's just being nice to yourself and really trying to connect with people and not going overboard, but just incorporating it into your friends' lives too, because I think it's only going to be easier if you have people kind of doing it with you. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And there you have it. That was the second episode of The Lively Show. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Jess Mernan for sharing with us her awesome story. As you guys move forward in your week, I hope you take some time to go back to JessLively.com and leave a comment or a question if you have one, as well as a review on iTunes. That would be awesome. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.